I've heard it said you steer where you stare. We are bombarded daily with voices vying for our attention. And if we fill our days and minds with Netflix and social media feeds, we can get off track pretty quick. That's why I developed a 30-day music challenge. Listen to Christian music exclusively for 30 days. The challenge is free, and I'll be right there with you every step of the way. Head over to michellenizette.com forward slash 30-day challenge to sign up. Change your music, change your life. You're listening to More Than a Song, episode 291. Hello, and welcome to this episode of More Than a Song. My name is Michelle Nizat, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you discover the truth of Scripture, hidden in today's popular Christian music. My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's Word with the songs you're singing along with on the radio to help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. There are things in God's Word that are hard to read. I mean, I know that there are things that are hard to understand because of words we don't know, customs we're not used to, places we've never been, times we've never lived in, or sometimes we don't know whether God is using a metaphor or not, right? But that's not what I'm talking about. There are things in God's Word that are just flat out hard to read. That's where I've been sitting in scripture this week, inspired by Taryn Wells' song, God's Not Done With You. And you know what? Even in the hard stuff, there is hope. Just as a side note for this episode, I realize that many of my listeners listen to the podcast with their children, and I always try to be mindful of that as I develop content. Now, if you um, would like, I recommend that you listen to this episode on your own first, and then decide if it's something that you and your children could process together later, because we're going to discuss some of the hard stuff that's in Scripture. It is in Scripture, but it is pretty difficult to read, and some of it's pretty graphic, okay? Okay. So with that in mind, let's go ahead and explore it all together after we listen to the chorus. As I sat and pondered where in scripture there was an abundance of wounds and scars, brokenness, lostness, hard things, and things that had absolutely fallen apart, well, I landed in Lamentations. I mean, it's not like you pick up your Bible every day and think, I'm going to go to the sad stuff. The thing is, though, we need to, right? We need to take it all in and see if we can learn from the mistakes of others. We need to see that God is not absent even in in the heartache. We need to see the hope in the midst of despair. Uh, Because if this particular song resonates with you, you need to remember God's not done writing your story, just like he wasn't done writing Israel's story or our story, okay, as a whole, the meta-narrative story, right? But I think we have a distorted uh, view of God's blessing and God's righteousness as if um, God's blessing cannot include the hard stuff, right? So there's really not one verse that drew me in this week. It's really the message of the whole. Lamentations is only five chapters. So if you have been a listener for any length of time, you know what I'm going to say next. Read in context by reading the whole book. 
That's a bite, by the way, a Bible interaction tool exercise. These are just exercises I use to keep my time in God's Word varied and effective. And reading in context is my favorite bite. Now, here's the thing about Lamentations. It's really not a read and keep on reading kind of book. I know I just told you I wanted you to read the whole thing, but it will feel a lot like reading in the Psalms where it might feel a little disjointed uh, because it's actually five separate poems. All right. So the reason that it doesn't just read like a story is because it's five separate poems and they're also written as acrostics using the Hebrew alphabet. And have you ever tried to write a poem using an acrostic? It might be a cohesive in content as a poem, but it probably won't read like a story. And then if you take that poem and translate it into a completely different language, then you may understand why it's hard to get into Lamentations. Well, that and it's pretty graphic and fairly depressing throughout. But it is God's word, and I don't want to shy away from it, so let's tackle it together. Now, I used the bite of repetition this week, good old-fashioned, reading it every day, all the way through. I read in the New Living Translation because it, it made it easier for me to digest. I usually study in the English Standard Version, but it read a little more poetic in the New Living Translation, and that's another bite you might try, which is reading in different translations. Now, another bite I use this week is to listen to epic music while reading the scripture. Yep, I pulled out my Spotify app and tuned into the Lord of the Rings soundtrack as I read words like this. Jerusalem, once so full of people, is now deserted. She, who was once great among the nations, now sits alone like a widow. Once the queen of all the earth, she is now a slave. Now, I'm not sure how many of you are word nerds like me, but scripture is filled with literary devices. And in this one verse, we see that first the narrator compares and contrasts Jerusalem. Once so full of people is now deserted. Then the narrator uses a simile in the contrast. Once great among the nations now sits alone like a widow. Like a widow is the simile, of course. Then the narrator uses metaphor and personification in the contrast. Once the queen of the earth, now a slave. And of course, a city can't be a queen or a slave. That's the metaphor. And queens and slaves are people. That's the personification. So as you read scripture, don't miss out on the beauty of the literature itself. You know, I've read a lot of really bad writing, but scripture isn't. And as I sat in Lamentations this week, I allowed myself to see the beautiful writing even when it was hard to read. So let's jump into the hard stuff. Hard things like this from chapter two. Oh Lord, think about this. Should you treat your own people this way? Should mothers eat their own children, those they once bounced on their knees? Should priests and prophets be killed within the Lord's temple? See them lying in the streets, young and old boys and girls killed by the swords of the enemy? You've killed them in your anger, slaughtered them without mercy. You invited terrors from all around as though you were calling them to a day of feasting. In the day of the Lord's anger, no one has escaped or survived. The enemy has killed all the children whom I carried and raised. The thing is, this really happened. It's hard to swallow difficult times in history, barbaric times. 
Uh, you can use the bite of following the cross references that may lead you to Second Kings chapter 25, where we read this. On January 15th, during the ninth year of Zedekiah's reign, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon led his entire army against Jerusalem. They surrounded the city and built siege ramps against its walls. Jerusalem was kept under siege until the 11th year of King Zedekiah's reign. By July 18th in the 11th year year of King Zedekiah's reign, the famine in the city had become very severe and the last of the food was entirely gone. Then a section of the city wall was broken down. Since the city was surrounded by the Babylonians, the soldiers waited for nightfall and escaped through the gate between the two walls behind the king's garden. Then they headed toward the Jordan Valley. But the Babylonian troops chased the king and overtook him on the plains of Jericho, for his men had deserted him and scattered. They captured the king and took him to the king of Babylon at Riblah, where they pronounced judgment upon Zedekiah. They made Zedekiah watch as they slaughtered his sons. Then they gouged out Zedekiah's eyes, bound him in bronze chains, and led him away to Babylon. Now, you can read these verses so quickly that you miss the fact that this siege was almost three years long. In verse 3, it says the famine in the city had become very severe and the last of the food was entirely gone. Then when we go to Lamentations, we get a closer look into what that really looked like. It looked like cannibalism and slaughter. Really tough stuff. You know, I've been through Holocaust museums in Washington, D.C. and in Houston. And I've even visited the Nanjing Massacre Memorial in Nanjing, China. And while you may be more familiar with the history of the Holocaust, it's the Nanjing Massacre Memorial that sticks in my mind the most. You see, Nanjing fell to Japanese forces on December 13, 1937, and over the next six weeks, Japanese soldiers murdered 300,000 Chinese civilians and disarmed soldiers, raped and looted, burned and tortured with abandon. And I was in China as a 19-year-old helping Chinese students with their conversational English and getting to see historic places and take in the culture. But I wasn't ready for this. What I really wasn't ready for was one photo. It was the picture of a tortured woman who had been abused and then wrapped in barbed wire and burned alive. And it was tragic. It would be tragic for anyone to see. But for me, it was personal. You see, my stepfather took his own life just a few years before by laying in a camper and setting the camper and himself on fire. I didn't see it. But I imagined what it what it would have looked like or what it may have looked like. Only in my imaginings, it was cloaked in shadows and fuzzy images. It's like my brain concluded that if it was blurry, it was somehow less real. Until that day, standing in the Nanjing Memorial, when the fuzzy picture focused into gruesome reality, it took my breath away. I wanted to scream, I wanted to run, I wanted to ball up and cry, I wanted to vomit. Lamentations one twenty says, Lord, see my anguish. My heart is broken and my soul despairs. And I don't know what your trauma is, but I agree with Taryn's lyrics. Standing in your ruins feels a lot like the end. So used to losing, you're afraid to try again. Right now, all you see are ashes where there was a flame. 
The truth is that you're not forgotten because grace knows your name. Now, Israel's story includes many elements that may be reflected in your story. Now, But I want you to read Lamentations for what it is. It's a lament of a real nation, of real people with real stories. So I know we see ourselves in it, and that's okay. But I don't want you to think it's about you, right? It's a story about someone else, and you might be able to see yourself in that story. But it's not a, a primarily about you. And now I'm going to ask you to see yourself in it, okay? So I just want to make sure that we're clear here. Uh, But as we look at ourselves in it, maybe we are as innocent as the children who suffered at the culmination of the evil sin of the adults and generations that went before them. I know many of you have trauma that happened to you as a child, and you were just hit by the shrapnel of the people, the choices of people around you. Uh, In verse 16, it says, for all these things I weep. Tears flow down my cheeks. No one is here to comfort me. Any who might encourage me are far away. My children have no future, for the enemy has conquered us. Those children were innocent. They were born into a culture of sin they did not choose. Maybe that's your story. And perhaps we are the adulterous nation of Israel, knowing God's truth, but worshiping their own ways in a manner that led to complete rebellion. Lamentations 114 says it this way. He wove my sins into ropes to hitch me to a yoke of captivity. They're talking about the Lord. The Lord sapped my strength and turned me over to my enemies. I am helpless in their hands. Now, I don't like to think of God causing harm. And this word picture really struck me this week. I don't know. I don't have a nice bow to put on it for you. God wove my sins into ropes to hitch me to a yoke of captivity. What a profound picture. And while God indeed is described in Lamentations as angry and a destroyer and having withdrawn his protection, we also see that there was a past warning. In verse in chapter 2, verse 17, it says, It is the Lord who did just as he planned. He has fulfilled the promises of disaster he made long ago. He has destroyed Jerusalem without mercy. He has caused her enemies to gloat over her and has given them power over her. So what promises of disaster, you might ask? Well, if when you follow the cross-references back to his promises to his people before they even entered the promised land, back in Deuteronomy chapter 28, if you read that whole chapter, you'll see that he makes promises on the blessing and on the cursing side. Okay, so he makes all of these promises. If they do these things, if they obey him, these are the blessings that they will receive. And in verse 15 of chapter 28 in Deuteronomy, it says, But if you refuse to listen to the Lord your God and do not obey all the commands and decrees I'm giving you today, all these curses will come and overwhelm you. And then he begins to describe, honestly, what eventually happened and what is described in Lamentations. Even in the lament, however, even in the sorrow, even in this poem of sorrow and lament, the responsibility is acknowledged. In chapter 3, verse 37, it says, Who can command things to happen without the Lord's permission? Does not the Most High send both calamity and good? Then why should we, mere humans, complain when we are punished for our sins? All right, in fact, this is actually where the glimmer of hope begins to shine in the midst of great calamity. Because instead of complaining when we're punished for our sins, what are we to do? Well, repent. So the very next verse in chapter 3 puts it this way. Instead, let us test and examine our ways. 
Let us turn back to the Lord. That's repentance in verse 40, verse 41. Let us lift our hearts and hands to God in heaven and say, we have sinned and rebelled and you have not forgiven us. This is saying God, this is not saying that God will not, will not forgive us. They're saying they sinned and rebelled and God would not forgive sin that had not been repented of. That's what it's saying. The consequences were dire. When you read this for yourself, and again, I'm hopping all over the place because I, but I really want, I want to give you like a big picture perspective because I want you to read all of this for yourself, all five chapters. But in fact, um, you know, consider all that they had to endure before they repented. In fact, they were at rock bottom. It's described as a pit where in verse 54, it says this, the water rose over my head and I cried out, this is the end. They'd come to the end of themselves. And then what happened in verse 55? But I called on your name, Lord, from deep within the pit. You heard me when I cried. Listen to my pleading. Hear my cry for help. Yes, you came when I called. You told me, do not fear. You see, he wasn't done with them and he's not done with you. Are you finally at the end of yourself? Can you examine your ways and turn back to the Lord? Can you repent and cry out to then hear God's sweet words? Do not fear. Verse 58 was our memory verse this week on on the memory verse resources. It says, Lord, you have come to my defense. You have redeemed my life. Yes, he has. <laughs> he has come to our defense. He, he, came, he came to their defense, but he has redeemed our life through, through our Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't deserve it. Neither did Jerusalem. You read it. The Lord did as he planned. Not that he planned that Jerusalem would desert him, but that he would not let sin and adultery of a nation, his chosen people, even if it's his chosen people, he would not let that go unchecked. But here are a few final things I want to point out as we wrap up today. Maybe you don't want to talk about your sin. Maybe you want to sit and point fingers at other people. Maybe you like sitting in a church that keeps things shallow and light so that you can feel good about yourself. Maybe you like reading books or listening to podcasts that tell you how awesome you are. And hey, I'm, listen, I'm with you. I like, I had to learn to like, quotation marks, like talking about my sin. I, because and I still don't like it. That's why it's in quotation marks. But I do like it because I've, I've flexed that muscle enough to understand that bringing my sin into the light where it can't control me any longer is my salvation. Lamentations put it this way. Verse 14, your prophets have said so many foolish things, false to the core. They did not save you from exile by pointing out your sins. Instead, they painted pictures filling you with false hope. And so I want you to read your Bible for yourself, and I want you to honestly read it, and I want you to read it honestly, all right? I want it to fill you with genuine hope as it points out your sins so that God doesn't have to take your sins and weave them into a rope to bring you into captivity so that you can be at the end of yourself before you call out to him. You see, because genuine hope, it comes from genuine knowledge of your Redeemer, And may we join with the sentiments of the narrator in verse 20. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. 
His mercies begin afresh every morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him. So it is good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord. It is good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord because he's not done with you yet. Verse 36, for no one is abandoned by the Lord forever. Though he brings grief, he also shows compassion because of the greatness of his unfailing love, for he does not enjoy hurting people or causing them sorrow. So what's next? Well, have I inspired you at all to take a crack at Lamentations? I hope so. There, there is great pain and sorrow to be found there, but there is great repentance and hope as well. And I've only scratched the surface. I, I pray that you allow God to meet you in your sorrow. But as in Lamentations, that you are honest in your sorrow, right? I want you to read all five chapters and really give yourself a chance to process slowly. Chase down a few of those cross references for perspective while you're at it. And then while you're in God's word this week, let me know how you're doing. Email me, michelle at michellekneezat.com. Hop on Twitter at michellekneezat or Instagram at michellekneezat or Facebook, Michelle L. Nizat is my public page. And let's talk about what you're learning. Now, before I tell you what song will be featured next week, I want to thank my new subscribers who have subscribed recently, like Alice from the Philippines, Lauren from New York, Bobby from Texas, and Cheryl from Nebraska. Welcome. Now, new subscribers to my website will benefit from a one-page resource of my top five bites that I've used on the podcast. It's a great place to start. Subscribers will also benefit from an email that I send once a week, and in that email, you get a weekly memory verse resource to display on your smartphone, tablet, desktop, or you can print it out. You get an email recap of the week's episode. And you get instant access to any of the extra resources I create for my episodes from time to time. And all of that is just my way of saying thank you for listening. And while I normally ask you to head over to michelleneedsat.com to subscribe, I've been having some trouble with my website. It's been hacked. And I do have a team working on it. But in the meantime, you can subscribe through the link on my Facebook page, Michelle L. Nizat. Okay. Now, have you had a chance to write a review in iTunes for the podcast yet? This really encourages me, of course, but it helps me also helps me stay visible to new listeners. So as always, if you take the time to review my podcast, I will take the time to personally thank you right here on the podcast. Of course, you can listen to the podcast through iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. You can follow on Spotify or through Stitcher Radio or your podcast listening app of choice. Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. Next week, I will be using the song Fear No More by Building 429 to help us dive into scripture. If you liked this episode, would you mind sharing it with others as soon as I can fix my website? Uh, If you go head over to michellekneezat.com forward slash 291, maybe by midweek it'll be fixed. Okay, while you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time, take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways.